Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, and right now, book by book, as we go through this final stretch here in 2020, taking a look at a whole bunch of books that we didn't have a chance to read together. And this is uh, this is one of them here, Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy, it overlaps a lot. I mean, the name almost kind of just means repetition or a, a do-over or a, you know something like a recapitulation, uh, a, re- a rehash or something like that. But it's interesting how you get these little details and these little episodes that y- you didn't really see in numbers. And this is one of them, the death of Moses. It's a huge turning point. It gets into a lot more detail. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of this stuff about, you know, so what happened to Moses when he died um, in terms of, you know, where he was buried. And, you know, there's interesting things elsewhere in scripture about that. Um, it gets into a little bit also just about, the, I guess, kind of the kind of the logic of why Moses couldn't go with them into the promised land. Um, just giving us a little bit more insight into that as well. It's it's a really interesting moment here as he looks out um, at the promised land and, and sees all of this, and it's a it's a big it's a big turning point for the Israelites. Joining us today as our guest, we've got Pastor Matt Zickler, pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in Western Springs, Illinois. Good morning, brother. Good to have you back with us. And yeah, I mean, don't, don't you think? I mean, this is, uh, it, it's kind of a unique chapter in the Pentateuch. Good morning. Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, it's really I mean, kind of kind of wraps up the whole Pentateuch, really, because this is, you know, the Pentateuch being the, the five books um, written by Moses. And uh, and you've got, uh, you know, you've got this this death of Moses. So you can't obviously have more books uh, that, that he writes after he's already died. So uh, and of course, that you know, that that brings up something I'm sure we'll we'll look at a little bit, too, with with whether this was um, written by Moses you know, uh, before his death or in, in, in prophecy or, or, you know, somebody, if perhaps Joshua or something or someone else wrote it after the fact, but, uh, but definitely a huge shift here as, as you move from, um, from the time in the wilderness also into, into the promised land as well. Yeah. And I think that, um, as, as a part of that too, as, as you were saying, as kind of the shift, uh, the turning point for the whole Pentateuch. Um, I mean, we, we've seen before how Deuteronomy has a lot of, uh, has a lot in common with Judges and Joshua and, and kind of following from there. And, and so I, I think also the chapter really sets it up very nicely then for what we see in Judges, because um, and, and, we'll be taking a look at that. Um, I think we're looking at that tomorrow, in fact. We're looking at a Judge, uh, the, the, just the tail end of Judges uh, chapter 1 and uh, Judges chapter 2. Uh, and so that'll be really nice, actually, to have that kind of continuity, because it's kind of just already setting it up for like, oh, okay, that's what, uh, that's that's kind of what we're in store, what, what's in store next, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, thanks thanks again for joining us. It's good to, it's oh, good to have you. you back and looking forward to it. Before we turn to the chapter here, would you start us off with a prayer? Uh, definitely. Blessed Lord, as you um, spoke to your servant Moses, and we give you thanks that you speak to us by your word, and we thank you that we have that word, that we could know you, that we could know uh, most of all of the promise that you make to us of the internal, eternal inheritance that is ours in your son Jesus, and we thank you that he is the one who has uh, has fulfilled the entire law for us, 
and is the one who has paved the way that we would have life in the eternal promised land. And as we study your word this morning, we pray, pray that you would bless us, that you would uh, grant Pastor Espinoza and me the, that, that wisdom of your word, that we would point the people to you and your holiness, and that we would be um, wise in conveying that, uh, th- those promises that are ours in your Son, Jesus, as he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right. So we're going to go ahead and read chapter 34 straight through. And before we do that, we're actually going to read um, just a little bit of chapter 32 as well, verses 48 through 52, um, because they do such a nice job of uh, kind of just setting things up for us a little bit more uh, in terms of, uh, you know, the the event of his death and where it takes place. Uh, Chapter 33 um, is is a a poet like well yeah I mean it's a poem I mean and it's uh, it's it's very fascinating in its own right just in terms of the language um, some of uh, just really like archaic stuff um, really 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 old Hebrew in certain parts but uh, yeah before we go ahead and read these uh, the, just the last bit of chapter thirty two and then thirty four um, anything you can do in terms of kind of like setting it up uh, you know we didn't actually read. <laughs> any of Deuteronomy, uh, you know, in the in the last two years. So, um, and anything, just kind of like briefly sketching it out. Well, sure. Yeah, this is. Um, I mean, this is the it kind of very broadly. This is the the end of of the the forty years in the wilderness, or very close to it. And uh, you know, uh, Moses brought the the Israelites uh, from from Egypt. He brought them out of the, the slavery under Pharaoh through the Red Sea. And um, you know, we've got. Uh, I, I often tell my congregation that as we look at you know as we look at that life in the wilderness, it's sort of a picture of of the Christian life. You know, they're they're baptized and and, and they go into the wilderness, and God provides for them with with manna in that wilderness, just as he gives us the the Lord's Supper, you know, the body and blood of Jesus to sustain us. Um, but they, you know, wander in the, those years in the wilderness, and and now they are coming toward the end of that, where they will cross through the waters of the Jordan, and um, in, in the same way to into the Promised Land. Um, but but as as we have this, one one of the things I was uh, was looking at, sort of Moses' last words um, before this, you get the. In 32, you get this this song of Moses, where where Moses is uh, gl- glorifying God and, and, and speaking of, of of all of his works, and uh, you know God saying that I, I am I am God. There is no no other God beside me. No one can deliver uh, out of my hand, uh, and and that sort of thing. So this this song that he he sings, um, you know, with, with exalting the Lord and kind of a last. Um, I guess you could kind of say a last hurrah uh, before he knows he's going to be to be called. Uh, and this is obviously before the blessings that he speaks in the, the final blessings he speaks in, in thirty three. Um, but but he says that you know there will be um, you know he says take to heart. This is in verse forty six. Take to heart all the words by which I am warning you today that you may command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words of the law. For it is no empty word for you, but your very life. And by this word you shall live. You shall live long in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. So, you know, this is kind of the, the conclusion of, of Moses um, speak, speaking on behalf of the Lord in, in that way and, and preparing the people for that, that entry into the promised land. Yeah, and thank you for that. And, uh, yeah, for, for uh, it, it was actually very helpful to look at 47, right, um, for, for a program called Thy Strong Word. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, it is no empty word. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely, right? I mean, like, you, you see this, like, the power of the word and, and Moses. I mean, throughout Deuteronomy, that's, that's kind of a big theme, right? 
just kind of again and again, he's like, all right, so uh, I'm telling you this because, you know, hey, we, we already did this and I've, I've told you this before, but I've got to say it again because this is going to be the thing that, you know, is make or break. This is what's going to decide whether this goes well or goes badly. <laughs> this is what's going to decide whether you have success or it's just a, you know, abject failure. Uh, so he says it again and again and again. And um, so, so yeah, it's, 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 uh, yeah, no empty word, strong empty word. word. Yeah. All right. Well, let, let's go ahead then with uh, those things in mind and go ahead and we'll read this. So this is the last chunk of narrative in Deuteronomy, the last bit of chapter 32, which will then lead into chapter 34 for today. So this is 32 verse 48. That very day, the Lord spoke to Moses, go up this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is in the land of Moab opposite Jericho and view the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel for possession and die on the mountain which you go up and be gathered to your people. As Aaron, your brother, died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. And now chapter 34, continuing the narrative. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead as far as Dan, all Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Western Sea, the Negeb and the plain that is the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Uh, a, lot, a lot of good things to be talking about. I'm, I'm glad that chapter 34 is only uh, 12 verses long. Uh, we'll, have, we'll have a chance, hopefully, to kind of get into some of this stuff here. Um, you know, you were kind of mentioning the, the thing about authorship towards the end. It is very interesting how the, the, the voice of the narrator is, uh, well, there's a little bit of a shift. I mean, it's a little bit more kind of transparent in terms of things like, uh, you know, uh, you know, there, there's not arisen a prophet like him, or, and, and no one knows to this day. Like, I mean, it's kind of interesting uh, you know, comments. Kind of, it's worth talking about on their own. Um, but, but I think that for me, I think it's really interesting that you know, I mean, uh, Moses di dies and is buried in Moab. 
right? I mean, uh, that that that's a pretty it's a pretty striking thing. We we've seen uh, you know going over first and second Samuel. You know, Moab is uh, you know at sometimes they're they're kind of an ally. Sometimes they're just a, a thorn in Israel's side. Um, so striking that you know like the Moses would be buried over there, right? Um, and that no one would know. I mean, I mean th- that's just kind of. Um, interesting too, but the thing I I really and this is why I wanted to read it in thirty two, um, the way that God talks about why this happens, the, the way that God says, "Hey, this is why you can't go over. Uh, this is this is why it's time for you to step aside and for Joshua to take over." I think that's very. Uh, I, I feel like that gives a lot of insight into how God uses leaders. And what are the qualifications for leadership? Um, how we are to look at those things kind of complements, I think, our, our conversation on on power and Saul and, and, and David and the rest. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the, I, I've always thought that's such a striking um a striking thing because you look at what Moses does, uh, you know, in all the years that he's he's leading the Israelites and, and right. leading them faithfully and everything, and then and then what what is finally the thing that causes him not to to be allowed to go into the promised land? It's that yeah. God tells them that he's going to give them water out of the rock, and Moses tells the people that. But he strikes the rock, and God didn't tell him to strike the rock. And it seemed, you know, to us, that just looks like a, a such a minor peccadillo, right? right? I mean, that's, he, he, what, he hits a rock with a stick. He hits a rock with a <laughs> stick, right? To, to <laughs> right. get water to come out of it when God said the water was going to come out of it. So it, yeah. And I was, I was kind of looking at, at that, and um, and 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 because it is so striking, and and I, I read, um, you know, of course, I'd always thought about the the hitting of the stick, and and I read something else that made the point that uh, that Moses says, so we should bring water out of it. So perhaps yeah. there's an aspect of him drawing attention to himself as well. Oh yeah. But um, but 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 in either case, you know, it's one of those things, kind of like the story of Uzzah. Where it's this, yeah. this understanding of God's holiness and how it's it's only safe to approach God according to His promise when it when it comes to His holiness. You know that that His holiness is so perfect and so demanding that um, that it's unsafe to to, co- to to approach Him outside of that. Um, but when we when we we only have safety when we approach Him in view of that word. And of course that's that's the word that we have in Christ and, and forgiveness, and that's how we can approach Him. But um, but the, yeah, such a shocking subtlety to, to be the cause for, for Moses to not go into the promised land. You know, it, it really is. Um, yeah, no, thank you for that. And, and just focusing on holiness, I think that's that's spot on. I mean, it, it, well, you know, when we looked at the end of Second Samuel, right, like there's this, uh, the census, right, that David takes. And yeah. it, it's sort of like, again, we're sort of like, he counted people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, was that really so? I mean, you know. Um, and we don't think anything of it. I mean, we do a census every 10 years, right? Um, it's because it's like required, um, you know, by, by, uh, by law, like for the, for the country. Right. So we can like apportion representatives and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, we're just like, hang on, what? I mean, like, so like, that's like the, the big deal, you, you know, and, and you kind of, you kind of see this again and again, like, it's like, it seems like every leader right at the end of their tenure, there, there is a thing that they do. That God's like, okay, no more. Step aside, next guy. Um, and, and, and it's, yeah, isn't that just a thing, right? It just, it seems like it's like no big deal to us. I mean, even last time we looked, um, well, I mean, I, I say last time, I mean, we had some pre recorded Psalms on Thanksgiving and uh, the day after. Uh, but la- last time we did live on Wednesday of last week, we looked at Leviticus, right? And it's sort of like, okay, so 
uh, Nadab and Abihu, they got, instead of getting fire from the altar, they got fire, like, out of their, you know, pocket flint or, uh, you know, out of the candle that was nearby or something like that, right? Like, yeah. it's like, really? that That's why? And that's, that's why they, that, that was the end of their priesthood, right? But it's because of holiness. And when it comes to holiness, it doesn't matter, like, what the actual, like, physical thing that you do is, Right. Yeah, and it's, I remember hearing the, the, the statement, 99% obedience is 100% disobedience when it comes to holiness. Yeah. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter what, what, how minuscule the thought, the word, or the deed is. It, it, when it steps outside of that, uh, it, it's worthy of condemnation. And Yeah, well, and, and, and I think, too, uh, you mentioned something, and maybe we'll have to actually go and look at it. Uh, you know, the way that Moses is drawing attention to himself in that moment, Right. I mean, I, I think I, I think I think that's the thing. It's that th- these these actions are all symbolic. Right. Not not to say that they aren't. You know, and this and this is a this is a modern, you know, bugaboo that we have. Right. Like we, we think that like something is either literal or it's symbolic, but that's not the way that the ancient world thought of anything. Um, all these actions, which 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 do things right they're they're full of this higher level meaning also. Right. In addition yeah. to what they literally do. And so when a leader, right, who represents God, right, uh, does something like this, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's just blasphemy at the end of the day, because it's it's saying something about God that God didn't want to say. It, you know, it, it's like to, to what you were kind of emphasizing beforehand, it's like it's taking the strong word of God and, you know, adding our own words, right, when God says, uh, no, I didn't say that. And so, and so, it's it's because of what it says, not because of the thing itself. It's not because oh, like, you know, God doesn't like hitting rocks with sticks, or you know, God doesn't like counting people. Like, no, of course, it's not that. It's it's what it, what it says about God, and, and 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 that's just huge when you say that to the whole nation, right? Something that's not true about God. Yeah, yeah, it, it's breaking breaking the second commandment. It's not not hallowing God's name. It's it's saying something false about Him. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Second commandment. And, and interesting how that, you know, is about hallowing, right? Hall- or, or, or making holy, sanctifying, right? So uh, that idea of, you know, using God's name the way that he has said to use his name, saying the things about him that he has said about himself, you know, that's that, that's our, our, our notion of holiness. Um, and it's not, you know, I, I, think, I think we're in danger if we kind of minimize this and be like, oh, okay, you know, God, so, you know, holier than thou that like if you just mess up in one little bit right like one percent like he's gonna lightning bolt you that's that's so not the point it's about leading a whole nation astray because the thing that you have done has i mean i mean at the end of the day kind of symbolize a different god yeah. than the god that they're supposed to be having faith in i mean it's 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 disastrous so uh, and and we'll, let's take a look at some of those details. But let, let, let's kind of uh, just circle back here. So looking at the tail end of chapter 32. So, okay, God commands him to go up onto the mountain and to and to die there. That is interesting that there is the, I mean, there, there's two things, right? One, it's like he's going up on the mountain so that he can see the land. But also, it, it, he's like to, I mean, this is, isn't it interesting in verse 50? And die on the mountain. Um <laughs> I mean, it's actually a, a command. I mean, this, this is this is fascinating. In the Hebrew, it's actually the imperative form, die, um, on, on the mountain which you go up. So the other reason he's going up on the mountain is to die there. Um, 
what what do you what do you make of that like you know the the reasoning that god gives for why he needs to go up onto the mountain and the significance well you know i think one one thing that you often see is that um you know for example when he goes uh when he goes you know when they're in the, in the wilderness and he receives the, the the law he's always up on the mountain the, the mountain you know kind of going up is understood to be the place where you where you would meet with god so yeah. you know i think i think there's that that connection there um you, you know, I, I think I think there's also you know as it looks about uh, it talks about him not not knowing where he's buried. Uh, there, there's a quote. You know, I was looking at it in the in the, the study Bible, and there's a quote about that that says, you know, "It's good that 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 God buried Moses away from from everything. You know, he's up mm-hmm. away from the people and that sort of thing um, for for two reasons. One, so that his enemies couldn't desecrate his remains." And then also so that um, so that the people wouldn't worship at his at his tomb, and uh, so I think that I, it, to me it seems like that's all a part of it. You know, he, here he's he's being drawn into uh, you know to, uh, up to to meet with God in that way, uh, you know, and that's something you see uh, not just meeting with God, but the but kind of a, a locatedness of God in the Old Testament, something that we we often uh, I, I think sort of overlook. You know, we we think about God as as omnipresent, being everywhere. And that kind of thing, but going to meet with God somewhere, um, and, and so that that connection there, and then also then the ability for 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 God to to bury Moses and prevent, you know, out of out of care for him, prevent these these sort of other other things from happening. I, I think that that is 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 um yeah that's totally in the right direction. That it's it's got to do with with uh you know wh- wh- I mean I, th- I think it's for the sake of the people like you were saying uh, I mean yeah. God is, is thinking of his people and yeah I mean he's thinking of Moses right I mean th- he gets to he gets to see the land at least right I mean my goodness after <laughs> 40 years of you know are we there yet right so I mean it's uh you know I mean, I mean we, we know that probably most of it was just kind of hanging out in this one section, right? Just to kind of like, just, I don't know, wait out a generation basically. But, you know, after 40 years of, you know, contending with the people, you know, Moses gets to die knowing that, you know, the work was not in vain, that, that God did get to accomplish his purpose through him. And and that's a gigantic consolation. I mean, right. Who, who doesn't want to have that consolation, um, you know, on their deathbed that, you know, Hey, um, I made a lot of sacrifices. I made a lot of mistakes. But you know God's grace has prevailed, and it, it's all for something, right? Um, I mean that, that that's incredible care for Moses. But I think you're right. Like for the sake of the people, um, it, it is I think a good a good thing that we're not going to have like a big shrine of Moses, right? Somewhere in uh, like Judah or you know uh, Benjamin. I mean that probably would have occasioned a war later or something, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> the thing I'm thinking about though, isn't it interesting how he compares it to Aaron? Right and be and be gathered. So die on the mountain which you go up and be gathered to your people as Aaron your brother died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people, and and we remember that when Aaron went up onto the mountain, right, it, it wasn't just so he could die there, but he so he could hand Eliezer exactly right. He put he yeah. and, and he puts the robe on him right um, in in front of, in view of everyone. Everyone can see this happen right. So it's a public act when he's up around the mountain. Everyone can see this happen. Um, and everyone and gets this. And, and so I wonder, too, you know, what then this has as an impact on the people that they say, oh, so God is is having him go up there. And, uh, well, God is killing him. I mean, like, I mean, he's, he's dying, not just because he got old. Right. And, and I think that's actually later we get this comment at the end in 34, which I, I think we could uh, we could go 
I, I don't know. I, I think like, we, we, I think for us in 2020, we go, our minds go the wrong way. In verse 7, uh, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed, his vigor unabated. And I, and I think that we read that as like, oh, wow, this is like some kind of like supernatural, you know, like fountain of youth or something, right? Like, you know, I, I guess if you hold on to that staff, it's like the ring of power or something, right? Like, I, and I don't think that's the point. I think the point is he didn't die of natural causes. This guy didn't just die because like, oh, you know, he got old. No, he, God killed him. It was judgment. That's why he died. Uh, and I want to kind of give you a chance to uh, kind of develop this thought here when we get back. But it's time for our break, everybody. We're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 34 on Nice Strong Word. We'll be right back. Greetings from Timothy Lutheran Church on the south side of St. Louis, a vibrant congregation dedicated to our city and celebrating the diversity of people who have found a living relationship with Jesus. We worship together in person on Sunday mornings at 8 and 1045, Monday evenings at 630, and anytime online at timothystl.org live. At Timothy, you will know the Jesus who loves you so much that he gave everything for you to have forgiveness, life, and salvation in his name. Join us together as we serve our Lord and share his message of hope from our neighborhood to the nations. 2020 has already been a year of chaos. Now add in the end of the year chaos, duties, deadlines, regrets, plus the pre-Christmas chaos of ads, peer pressure, shopping, family gatherings, empty seats at the table. Who can bring calm to this chaos? Well, the true calm isn't that we'd all just get through it or even get along. The true calm is the peace of Jesus Christ, the peace that comes from his promises, the peace that comes from his forgiving blood, the peace that comes from a confident hope in the resurrection to eternal life for all who trust in him. Don't ride the wave of chaos to get to Christmas and the end of the year. Join the Christian church for Advent and find the calming peace of Christ in your church and home. For Advent, Family, Table Grace, and many other resources, check out lcms.org advent. That's lcms.org advent. And find the peace that this world cannot give. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at Deuteronomy chapter 34, last chapter of Deuteronomy, and a little bit here of uh, chapter 32, just uh, for a little bit more context here. Joined today by our guest, Pastor Matt Ziegler, pastor at Grace Lutheran Church in Western Springs, Illinois, uh, talking about, you know, the significance of th- this command, right, this imperative, go die on the mountain. Uh, you know, I mean, which which I'm, I'm kind of wondering, like, does God, does God, like, say this anywhere, right? Like, just tell anyone, die. Um, but, but the significance of, of what that means, that people don't go think, oh, he just— he just died, but this this is this is judgment. This is this is God's will, which uh, you know. I mean, it's got to just uh, also we're talking about the effect of the people, right? It's got to scare the people. Like, holy cow! If Moses uh, gets judged like that, then what's going to happen to me? Uh, some really interesting things to discuss today. Um, if you got a question or comment for us here, uh, please do give us a call if you're listening live. 1-800-730-2727, or if you're in St. Louis, 
888-0850. You can also send an email to KFUO at KFUO.org. Or you can just hop on the face uh, Facebook uh, live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. Uh, got some questions on there asking about, um, so is Deuteronomy written as a, as a treaty? Um, is, is that kind of the, like, like the, the genre or the style? Uh, yeah, there's some interesting things there. And then, and then also, uh, saying, Hey, there's, uh, you know, like 14 verses of blessings back in chapter 28 and 54 verses of curses. Uh, <laughs> you know, so like what, what's, uh, what, what's going on here with this? And that kind of speaks to what, uh, pastor Zickler was pointing out, um, at the end of, uh, chapter 32, uh, right before we started reading, uh, where, where was that little bit? I wanted to uh, see that. It was it's kind of like, hey guys, uh, the, the the stuff I'm saying, these aren't <laughs> empty words. <laughs> like you, it's really important that you do this, right? It's yeah, in verse 46, right? Um, you know, uh, take them to heart and uh, command them to your children that they may be careful to do all the words of the law. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. So some good some good questions we'll have to take a look at in just a second. Uh, when I thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation uh, for their support of Thy Strong Word. Thank you guys for underwriting. And uh, yeah, just a reminder, everybody, uh, we're, we're going through a different book of the Bible every day, just kind of going through in roughly chronological order. But yes, brother, um, right before the break, we were just talking about this. Like, what, what, what do you think, you know, especially with in 34, those verses about, okay, yeah, he was old, but you know, he, he was strong. It's not that he just, you know, got up there and he tripped or something. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think this says to the people? Well, yeah, I think that I think that's a great point. You know, is, is kind of to tie back to, to some words I referenced from, from 32. See, see now that I, even I, am he. There is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I yeah. wound and I heal. And there's none that can deliver out of my hand. You know, this is um, that, that realization that... Um, you know, the, the 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 judgment comes from from God, and and the the death is judgment. And I think that's something you know we we often try to to soften that uh, so much in in our day. You know that this isn't God's fault. That this is and 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 the reality is that on on the one hand that's true. God is not the cause of sin. God is not the cause of suffering and evil. That's all a, a consequence of our actions. But but there is this aspect where where God becomes our problem because of sin. Yeah. And, you know, it is because of our sin that we die. And, and even Moses, Moses was, was sinful, too, and, and it's because of his sin that he died. And, and even though he would not have any reason to look like he was going to die, uh, you know, that it is, it's, it's, it's striking. Uh, and I think, I think we, can, we can draw that, that theological point from it in terms of, of the, the shock that that's going to cause to the people of Israel, that this is, this is the end, um, the, the sorrow. You know, one, one of the things that you were, were talking about, I that I sort of thought about is how um, how we we eulogize people after they die. You know, we might we might complain about them their whole lives, like kind of like the, the Israelites did with Moses. But then but then when he when Moses died, they're going to say, you know, there's this mourning for him. And you can imagine, yeah. oh, he was such a great leader and all that kind of stuff after they yeah. constantly complained about him. But you know, so there's that kind of that that yeah. shock and that theological point there. Um, but another theological point, I, I and may, I don't want to get ahead of where we we want to we want to go, so we can yeah. kind of come back if if need be, but. I think something else that it indicates is the, the, the shortcoming of the law altogether. You know, as you talked mm. about actions representing um, theological truths, kind of that, yeah. that, that literal, literal action and symbolic truth along with it, you yeah. know, Moses isn't the one to carry us into the promised land. Who, who is it ultimately? It's, it's, mm. it's a different Joshua, but it's, yeah. it's, it's Joshua, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's that, no, the law, that, it's that's, the that, 
Yeah, yeah, no that 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 is that is very good. Well, and, and for that matter, right? I mean, th- this does again uh, remind me of what we looked at, um, you know, in Leviticus chapter ten last time um, with with Aaron and and, and Nadab and Abihu, um, and then you know the the succeeding sons of Aaron, uh, Eleazar and Ithamar, um, that you know you you on on the one hand that that comment that that Aaron makes at the end, it's sort of like. Well, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, kind of get, getting us back into that context, we, we just briefly, um, there, there's a situation, right, where they did not, you know, so the surviving sons, you know, who uh, you know, did not step out of line with the unauthorized fire, um, they, they did not eat the sin offering, right, in the holy place like they were supposed to. Um, and so Moses is like, Hey, what's going on? Like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't see the blood in there. What happened? Right. Um, and Aaron kind of speaks up for him and says, you know, so on the one hand, before we get to what he says, it's sort of like, well, he's kind of giving, excusing his sons, but what, what he's kind of doing also is he's kind of pointing to that, the inadequacy of the whole Aaronic priesthood. Cause he's saying, Hey, all this stuff with, with, uh, you know, with, with my sons that happened to me. He says, I mean, that, that's, that's actually the, I'm just going to have to like pull it up for everyone who's like following along on, online now. But, yeah, but um, today they have offered their, their sin offering and their burnt offering before the Lord. And yet such things as these have happened to have me. Have happened to me. Right. And isn't that fascinating how he says, I mean, it reminds me of what, what you read in verse uh, 46 of chapter 32, right? It's on the man if the sons are disobedient, because that means that the man didn't teach his family. Right. I mean, you, you see this again and again, like the, the punishment uh, for not circumcising. Right. Um, that That's not like punishing the sons because they didn't get circumcised. Uh, no, <laughs> that was something that their father was supposed to make sure happened on the eighth day. Right. It's the son, it, it's the, it's the, it's the sons who don't have the circumcision, but it's the fathers who get cut off. Right. So, so you, so you see this again and again. So Aaron there is ultimately saying like, you know, he says next verse, if I eaten the sin offering today, would the Lord have approved? Saying, I couldn't have eaten the sin offering today. So, I mean, it just I, I think, yeah, yeah, that's a really great point. Just when you have this judgment against like the leader, it's saying, hey, look, anyone who follows in this guy's train is ultimately going to be inadequate because this guy himself is inadequate. You need something even greater, a whole, a whole different, uh, a whole different line if you're actually going to get a better result. Yeah, the, the, the priesthood of Melchizedek. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, exactly. uh, and actually, as you, as you say that, something that that I, I also I was thinking that's so interesting is is when you have you know Moses failing in in, in at um, uh, Meribah Kadesh, you know he strikes the rock and and he doesn't do it how God told him to do it, but in God's graciousness, you know we we could we could say to to kind of put theological baggage where that God's not a Donatist, he still. He still gives them the water, you know. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah, very good. I, uh, I'm not sure I, I made that connection. I mean, to you, you have to, we have to, we have to be, you know, that follow that call to obedience and, and in view of God's holiness, yeah. and and um, and thankfully, we in the midst of it though, we see when we fall short, there is still God's God's graciousness and His mercy. That, that's a that's a really clever point. I like that. Um, so, just everyone listening who who does, isn't 
like uh, all up to date on all the ists and isms. I mean, who can keep track of them all, right? right. Um, but, but but so the Donatist controversy uh, went back to something in the early church where there was this idea that basically because of the sins of certain priests, that uh, if they had performed any like, official church acts, that they basically were invalid. Uh, the big one would be like if if they had like you know uh, presided over the supper or if they'd baptized somebody, et cetera. And actually, it was kind of funny. Like well, not not funny, um, but it's. You know, it's kind of like, what a coincidence anyway. Um, I, I read about this happening in the Catholic Church, like the Roman Catholic Church recently, that I, I guess like they had issued guidance on baptismal formulas and decided like, hey, if someone said like, I baptize you in the name of Jesus, I think it was, I, I, I might not be remembering this right, um, that didn't count. And, and so the problem that they ran into was, uh-oh, you have to be a Christian, a baptized Christian to be ordained. And so there were priests then that technically were not ever ordained because they hadn't been Christians at the time because they hadn't been baptized the right way. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I hadn't heard about that. Yeah, no, I mean, like, Google it and get the right version because I'm sure I'm, like, skipping over a detail. Right, but, I mean, so it's just very interesting how, like, there's a modern-day example of it, too, where just this this idea that it's like, you know, like, hey, if, like, something kind of misfired in the formula or, you know, we didn't do it quite in the right sequence, then, like, it doesn't count, but uh, and that, that that was the Donatist controversy in the early church, but or or <laughs> what happened to maybe a couple of months ago, right, uh, in the Roman Catholic Church. But yeah, that's a really interesting and great point that you know God still gives the water. Like the, the point is never like that the the efficacy that whether it works or not. The point is never that that hinges on how well we do. Uh, the the point is that it hinges on the power of the word. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's a fantastic point. Um, Reminds me, too, of, like, just, I mean, everything lately with, uh, you know, COVID-19, there was a lot of controversy among, well, I mean, among among pastors and theological types, right, who were saying, like, hey, you know, it's, uh, the, the word is efficacious. It's not about our performance. So, you know, hey, of course we can have communion at home and have, a, have a, you know, just, a, you know, fathers presiding over communion for their for their family right because it's the power of the word not our performance so it's kind of kind of sneaky there right i mean it's yeah. uh, it, it gets slippery it's it's, it's difficult well it does and, and one of the principles i always you know tell my congregation that we have to operate by is, is certainty you know our job is to bring as much certainty to yeah. that word as possible and and of course when you when you put that you know, something like that with communion you take away certainty or or you look at um you know speaking of the power of the word you have those two, I say, to the Protestant side of us, to the Reform side, who, you know, speak the words of institution, but we would argue because they they change the meaning of the word is, then do they do they have the body and blood of Jesus there, you know, and mm-hmm. and there that removes that certainty, um, so we can't say with certainty that they do, and you know, my understanding, if I recall, is that Luther even said that they they in fact didn't. You know, and and so um, the, the the issue of certainty, you know, God wants us to have to have that certainty. He wants us to to rest in in that certainty of His promises, and and that's such an important thing for us. That what what else does does our faith cling to besides uh, besides that what what God Himself says, and, and and resting upon that word. And if our actions, you know, and that's of course what the the issue is with with Moses and that sort of thing. If our actions bring bring doubt to that certainty, that's a, that's yeah. a huge problem. Well, and and I think um, the compliment right there you were saying at the end, your actions bringing doubt or, or certainty, right? Like there's a big difference, I think, between, uh, you know, a situation where, where Moses messes up and then God says, you know what? Uh, I care about my people too much. I'm going to go ahead and let them have water anyway, right? Yeah. There's a big difference between that 
and Moses being like, you know, I think that God, you know, is just full of love and it's the power of the word, right? So I'm just going to hit the rock every time now because God will God will take care of it. God will make sure that the people are given grace, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between, right, like kind of like us looking back on it and God's like graciously um, filled in where our sin has come come up short. Difference between that and hindsight and then prospectively being like, oh, okay, we're going to plan on doing this the wrong way. Because, I mean, after all, God's gracious. I mean, like, that's uh, I mean th- that's Paul, right? You know, yeah. like, so should we sin more that grace may increase? May By no be. means. Like, it, it doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't work when you're planning on it, right? Like, you can't. I mean, it's basically like asking for forgiveness in advance. God says right. no to that. You know, so yeah. um, hey, so we, I did see that we do have a, we, we have some questions that came in over email that I want to turn to. Uh, but we do have on the phone here. It says uh, Chet is on the phone with a question about a contradictory passage about no one seeing the face of God. Oh, yeah, 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 very good, very good. Uh, yeah, Chet, do we have you on the, on the phone? Good morning. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, yeah, we can hear you loud and clear, yeah. brother. How are you? Well, I don't have a, the scripture reference in front of me to read the text, but I thought I heard you read something in that text that says, never before there's a, a prophet like Moses who spoke with God face to face. And that sounds like a contradiction from the part where Moses was head in the cliff cleft of the rock because right. he couldn't look at God face to face. So how do you explain that? One yeah. might say that that's a contradiction. Of course, I don't, but a person could say that. Yeah. Chet, thank you. That, that's, a, that's a fantastic question. Um, I mean, and I think that those are the sorts of questions that we should uh, be thinking of because it means that we're paying attention, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, we're, like we're, we're actually looking at the words and not just kind of like just letting them, uh, you know, kind of bounce off of us. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll let you take the first uh, stab at that, though. Uh, what, what, what do you What do you think, Pastor Ziegler? Well, yeah, and feel free to, free to clean up after me if if, if need be. Um, you know, actually, <laughs> as, I, as you were saying that, Chad, I thought of of, of John chapter one too, where uh, you know, yeah? it says no one yeah. has ever seen God, but the only God who is at His side has made Him known. Um, yep. And so, you know, my understanding of that has, has always been um, that it, 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 the the face to face that Moses has with God is is a very it's it's a it's kind of a, a phrase for a, a very uh, direct communication and relationship, but it wouldn't actually literally be seeing God's face. Uh, to your point, you know, when, when he's cleft in the rock, you know, he doesn't see God's face, he sees his backside. So, yeah. so because no one can see, actually literally see the face of God and live. So this is just sort of a, an idiom, uh, you know, it's a phrase to, to, uh, to summarize how, um, how God spoke to Moses in a very unique way, but not, not necessarily a literal face-to-face communication. Yeah. No, I, I think that's perfect. Um, we actually saw this when we were going through Exodus, uh, back in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Um, I, I mean, it, it reminds me too, we, we looked at uh, Job uh, last week, right? And there, uh, the accuser of heaven tells God, hey, if you you know take away the blessings, he will curse you to your face, Right. So like there's like all these kinds of idioms. And so the, the thing is, um, in, in Hebrew, there are a lot of body part idioms. Right. And so like there's stuff like, you know, like like, like uh, you mentioned one earlier, uh, Pastor Ziegler, like who, who will deliver from my hand? Right? I mean, that's that's not talking about like a physical hand. It's like hand is a is a very common metaphor in, in Hebrew uh, for power or control. I mean, really, really, that's kind of what it means. It's sort of like 
um, you know, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm handling it. Like, like I, I've, I've, uh, kind of like got a grip on it. Right. Like it, it means, uh, well, yeah, I mean, just think about that. Like when we say that something has gotten out of hand in English, right. What's that mean? It's like, well, it's gone beyond our control. Right. So we, we use little idioms like that too. And so we use things with, with, uh, with, uh, with hands, with ears, with eyes. And then this is a very common idiom. And so, uh, Exodus 33 kind of interprets itself that to say that you speak, face-to-face means that you speak candidly, frankly, uh, openly as, as equals, I mean, like as, as peers. And, and so there, there is a, a very amazing sense in which God just talks to them, like the way that, you know, Pastor Zickler and I are having a conversation right now, and <laughs> clearly God does not do that most of the time. So, so I think that, that, that that's, um, yeah, you're, you're spot on, Chet, like there's no contradiction there. Um, but yeah, there's this idea that th- there was this very personal, um, talking back and forth that they had though. Uh, yeah, even says in John, no one can see the face of God and live uh, in a different sense. Uh, yeah, so, so great, great question. Uh, let, let's take a look at some of these other questions too. I want to make sure that we just, uh, don't just talk about all the things I want to talk about here. Um, <laughs> so, so the email questions here, uh, from James, is it true that 99 and one half percent won't do in matters of holiness? <laughs> uh, yeah. So <clears throat> that was kind of getting back to, uh, what, what Pastor Ziegler was saying. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think the point, uh, you can correct me if I'm, if I'm uh, taking the wrong way, brother. Um, is, is just to say that, you know, if, if you kind of deliberately say, all right, God, that's pretty good. We're going to take like 99.5% you know, of what you're going to say. I'm just going to tweak a half of it. Right. Like, like that, that's the issue when you, when you deliberately say, you know what, we're just, we're just going to change it a little bit. Cause you know, that just doesn't work in the 21st century. Right. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the problem. Right. So, so it's not as if to say like, I, I mean, I don't know, like, you know, like, oh, your your church sanctuary has been desecrated if you misspoke one word of the liturgy. Like, that's not the point. The, the point the right. point is that, that deliberate rebellion against God, especially when it's like in front of the whole nation publicly, I mean, it, it's it's what that means then as a deliberate act. It doesn't matter how small of a thing it is uh, because of the kind of act that it is. Is that is that fair? Way of summarizing, yeah, and I, I think um, I, I think you could even extend that it, just to to the righteousness of the law in general. You know, the righteousness of the law demands absolute per- perfection. You know, that the, the we are to love the Lord our God with one hundred percent of our heart, with one hundred percent of our mind, one hundred percent of our soul, and one hundred percent of our strength, and to love our neighbors ourselves one hundred percent, one hundred percent of the time. Um, that's what the law demands. But of course, we thanks be to God, we know that our righteousness, um, the, the righteousness of the law always falls short. But we know that our righteousness ultimately comes comes from from Christ's righteousness, who did do that perfectly. And so, yeah. so the, you know, the, when we look at the, you know, we look at holiness and the demand of holiness, um, it, it is something that we fall short in. But God is gracious and has has you know, granted to us His holiness, and and that's the holiness in which we live. You know, so we still, so it's not as though we have to fear that um, because because of that 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 demand for per, absolute perfection that we now um, that we now have no chance of getting into heaven. That's the, the the glory of the gospel. Is that our righteousness is not by the law, but it is by by what Christ has done for us. Well, yeah, no, that that's. Uh, I mean, I guess that's another good side of of, of the same 
uh, of the same point, right? Another extension of it that, I mean, it's, uh, well, I, I mean, just just think about it in terms of, um, you know, you mentioned like, you know, perfection, right? And so I'm thinking about, you know, in Matthew 5, where the Lord's talking about that, you know, that you must be perfect as your father is perfect. Um, yeah. And in the context there, perfect doesn't mean like do a hundred out of a hundred of the things right. Um, it, it's not talking about proportions. It's talking about um, you, you must be complete, like your love must be complete. The preceding verses talk about loving both uh, friend and foe, right? So yeah. it's like, God, hey, God... God loves completely he loves people who are against him loves people who are for him loves people who love him loves people who hate him you you have to have that kind of complete love um and, and in in that context he's talking about like forgiveness and so it's just sort of like okay if you forgive someone you know you know i don't know 99 percent of the way but then you say well but see this one part of what they said i just can't forgive that i mean have you forgiven them i mean the answer is no i mean you, you can't you does, I mean, why, what does that even mean, right, at the end of the day, yeah. when you say, oh, well, I, well, I forgive, you know, the the bulk of what you did, but there's this one aspect that I just, I can't, for, I mean, you didn't forgive them for what they did then, right? So, I mean, like, I, I think that, um, it kind of I, I, complimenting what you were saying, I, I think that a lot of these things in terms of, like, sin, love, perfection, holiness, right, they're, they're kind of, they, they are sort of just binary zero or one propositions. It's, it's yeah. heads or tails, right? Like, there is no... 99% heads thing like it's a, not not like a quantum states or something uh, <laughs> let, let's do one more of these uh, email questions here uh, let's see 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 um, hmm okay so is is this only acceptable uh, is the only acceptable dogmatic conclusion about faith and sanctification found in doctrinal confessions is it proper to state here I stand or as for me and my family in matters of faith and sanctification why Okay, so this this is kind of a big one here. So, um, if I, if I'm reading this the right way, kind of kind of basically like, okay, 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 yeah, because because you got to think about it too, right? Um, you know, for instance, like we're we're Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and like what what is that all about, right? Well, it's it's about our commonality of confession, right? That we that we all say, hey, look, you know, we have the the Book of Concord, and we all we all agree. That's what Concord means, right? Like agreement, harmony. Um, so so is is that and, and maybe and maybe this question is getting asked if I'm not reading too much into it, uh, because like you can't ultimately say like, oh, hey, look, um, all of us churches, we all don't sin or, or, or like we we all do this perfectly. So we're in communion. Clearly, that doesn't work. Right. We're, we're all we're all fallible, sinful beings. So then kind of the only thing that you can really say is like, hey, we, we have a common faith, a common confession. Um I mean, if, if that's where you're going with it, then then uh, then yeah, I, I think. I mean, I, I think, I think, I think so. I mean, the only the only other thing you can kind of talk about as an extension, right, is like that you you have a common practice that like you're you're all kind of like doing things in the same kind of way, um, and, and that's it's kind of diff- more difficult to put your finger on. But I, I do think the two aren't actually unrelated, but. Uh, that's a can of worms that we don't even <laughs> that we wouldn't have had time to for if we started at the beginning of the hour with that. But I don't know any brief thoughts there, Pastor Zickler. Well, you know, I'm, I, to be fair, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm I'm totally grasping the question. But when I when um, when it comes to to you know one of the things with, with dogmatics, one of the things that I, I try to make the point about is that that dogmatics. You know, we often think of dogma as you know this this sort of extra biblical thing where we're where we're, we're 
you know, yeah. making a teaching outside of the Bible when the goal of dogmatics yeah. really is to to explain what Scripture itself is teaching. And and so that's you know that's really our goal, and and it's not it's not something that should be seen as um, as as being an, an attempt to being like like kind of you made the point not like strict and judgmental, and we're doing this right and you're not. Uh, it's really right. a, it's kind of just a striving to to say uh, in, a, in an articulate way what what scripture as a whole says, and, and bring that together. Um, yeah. And that should be the I mean that should be the goal of the church to do that faithfully according to God's word. And and uh, and so yeah, trying trying well, to do that, I suppose. Yeah, and be faithful. Yeah. In that. Well, and I think I mean it goes back to what we read in chapter thirty-two that like you y- you can't actually like teach the next generation unless you put it into your own words. I mean, th- this is a, this is a common truth that any parent, any teacher understands. Um, so if you're going to teach the truth of Scripture, like you've got to put it into your own words. You can't say like, well, we don't need the Book of Concord because we got the Bible. Haven't we seen <laughs> a few times, right, like on, on this program together that? Wow, it's like there's a lot of different ways of, p- of taking these things, right? You got to like come out and say like this is what I think it means on a, on a certain level, right? Like you got it, you got to come out and say that at some point. At some point, Jesus asks you, "No, I didn't ask about what they say about me. I'm asking you what you say about me." And you got to put it into your own words. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, the, the confessions I think are a very natural extension of that. Um, my goodness, yeah, I think we're. All out of time already, but a lot of good stuff today. Thank you, brother, so much. It was really good having you back as we kind of go through this uh, big finale here at the end uh, for Deuteronomy 34. Thank you, brother, and uh, God bless you and your congregation there in Illinois. Thank you. A pleasure to be on. God's blessings be with you. Thank you, brother. Everybody, Pastor Matt Zickler, Pastor at Grace Lutheran Church, Western Springs, Illinois. Um, you know, just like one, maybe like last thought, if I can sneak it in here. You know, we were talking about like the significance of, you know, having him die up on the mountain. You know, by by having that happen, right, what's that say to everybody, right? Yeah, you know, uh, God's not going to let this stuff escape, right? He, he publicly uh, made this big deal like, hey, we're going to provide for you. And he said, hey, look, uh, if, if you think that this is about you and about Moses providing for you, Israel is missing the point. So the the leaders that we have, right, like they need to make it absolutely clear. If we ever care for you, if we ever do anything good for you, it's God doing it, not us. Everybody, moving on to Judges next time. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.